Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome into the screening room year-end special. We've got guest stars, we've got musical numbers, we've got trained seals, and only some of that is true. We actually have a guest star as we're going to run down our favorite movies of 2018, and the screening room is sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With their 70-foot-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners. So as 2018 coming to a close, there's some good stuff in 2018. Absolutely. And we're going to run it down, our top 10, plus we'll talk about some of the uh, documentaries, some of the animated movies, and foreign films as well that may not have made our top list. And by the way, you can check out our expanded list of top 30 films. We went 30. Why do we go 30? We just, nice round number? Uh, that's got to be you. Yeah? I usually want to stop at 10, and you usually don't. Well, so we had, I guess, more good ones to talk about then. Be. So we went to 30. So our complete top 30 list you can find on the website, which is madwolf.com, M A D D. W-O-L-F. So let's get to it. And we welcome in our special guest this uh, time, somebody we've wanted to have on for a while now because he's a big cinephile, and we like that. And he's the former director of the Drexel Theater here in town in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome, Kevin Rao. Hey, thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Yay. Glad to have you because I I know you're a big film fan, and I know you've seen a lot of the movies this year. And I know you've got some that aren't on our list that you want to throw some love to. I do. I do. I think that's just because I'm a little stranger than you guys are. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. And, you know, I'm kind of an old school uh, studio guy, so I like the happy endings sure. and, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit. All right, great. So so let's get to it. We'll start uh, bottom to the top, leading to the big number one of the year. So we'll start at number 10 uh, of our favorites of the year. It's the remake of Suspiria. You are living with dangerous people. You're making some kind of deal with them. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I think a lot of people were a little nervous about this one as a remake of the 73 uh, Giallo, Giallo classic, right, from Dario Argento. And um, as... as uh, the filmmaker says it's more of a cover version right. than it is a straight remake. And I loved everything about it. So did I, uh, because as I've said a few times, I'm not the biggest fan of the original. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I think uh, Luca Guadagnino, mm-hmm. hey, did I say it right? <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, brought so much more depth to the story. I mean, it just starts with really the the bare framework of the original story and just fills in so much around it. And, uh, you know, he went a completely different direction as far as the visuals go, because the first thing everybody remembers about the original, the color scheme. Right. And he this time he went muted colors. But boy, it's much more of a horror show. Well, it's uh, you know, it's it's funny because it's about two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. Not that I would have trimmed a minute from it. Uh, but there's a lot more going on than straight horror. But the two particular um, the, the the two particular scenes that are horror, you're not going to find <laughs> much grislier scenes anywhere in in film this year. But he just, the way he orchestrates it, I mean, it's about a dance academy, and that's kind of what, the whole film is so fluid and so rhythmic in this really hypnotic, horrifying way. Yeah, and it's a great uh, tone of gothic nightmarishness. You've got Tilda Swinton, of course. Come on. Thank (laughs) you. And a great ensemble cast, Mm -hmm. uh, Dakota Johnson in the lead, 
and um, we, we loved everything about it. You know, we showed the first one uh, at the Drexel at one of our marathons, mm -hmm. our 24-hour marathons, mm -hmm. and I remember people coming out and, ta and they were just so divided. It was feast or famine and mm -hmm. how they felt about it, but it seemed like this one tipped the scales more so that more people liked it than not. It was, I think a lot of us were afraid that it was going to be so controversial that people would be afraid to see it, and that didn't happen. People no. saw it, and they loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you're right. The, the original has a, a tremendous cult following, and I think people were really worried about trying to redo it, but the, the approach that the filmmaker took was brilliant. Yeah, and that is our 10th Favorite film of 2018, the remake of Suspiria, moving up to number nine. Welcome back, Spike Lee. It's Black Klansman. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? We'll establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face-to-face. -face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined Ron, Ron Stallworth. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. Over the last several years, a Spike Lee as a director, as a filmmaker, has been hit or miss. There's done some stuff that, that I've liked, but this one is probably his best in decades. Oh, absolutely. I mean, since his really early work. there And it's, you know, it's a fascinating story, a true story. Uh, and that is, for I think a lot of filmmakers, that would be enough. Just tell the story in an interesting way. But uh, he, he shows what kind of... Uh, mastery he has of his craft by the way that you know the the, the film weaves from interesting like biopic to almost a comedy to really experimental stuff to some uh, it's just an i mean the trailer i think makes it seem like a comedy and it isn't it, it makes it seem like more of a comedy than it is you're right um, and, and I think that one of the things he does, Spike Lee does so well, is is shows this story, this slice of life from 1973, and not only uh, shows the reverberations to present day, but reminds us, echoes back to, you know, an entire history, American history of the same type of, of horrifying behavior. Yeah, he brings us right up to present day, and he's... Help that he's got a tremendous ensemble cast oh, yeah. led by John David Washington. It was a big breakout year for him. It he's was. Denzel Washington's son. A big breakout year for him. And also Adam Driver. Adam Driver, who's always wonderful. Topher Grace yep. as David Duke. He's, is, he's hilarious. <laughs> is, is fantastic. Well, I, I get to, this is the film where you got to keep reminding yourself during the film that this really happened. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with you. I think Adam Driver uh, is incredible in this. I think he's the, the glue of this thing. But it was good to see Spike Lee. It's almost like he got interested again, right? You know, and he and he took the film uh, to Europe first to Cannes, and and he hadn't done that for a while. I mean, <laughs> it really. Uh, I think his whole heart was in this project, and and I think it really shows in his direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it does have, even though it's not a straight comedy, it does have some humor to oh, it. it. Definitely, some definitely, does. and and political commentary, and there's that. Just show-stopping uh, interlude with Harry Belafonte oh, about yeah. halfway through. Oh, my through. God. That just stops the show. It does. You what? know, and then just brings a tear to your eye by the, by the time it's done. It's, it's so well done on a very relevant topic. And, and as we said, he, he finds a way to make it urgent to today. Well, and that's it. That The ending sequences. Oh, my God. Um, if you didn't think it applied to today, yeah. <laughs> Spike Lee really brings it home without hammering you exactly. over the head. Right. Exactly. And that's what I think really makes the message resound with most people. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And the ninth best film of the year, Spike Lee's Black Klansman, number eight on our list. It's one that may have slipped through a few cracks. I don't know how many people saw it, but I hope you will. It's You Were Never Really Here. State Senator Albert Vato. His teenage daughter's missing. What's the lead? He got an anonymous text with an address. I've heard of these places. 
always said you were brutal. I can be. I want you to hurt them. A few years ago, Lynn Ramsey made the film We Need to Talk About Kevin, which oh. a lot of people <laughs> missed. It got shelved a lot, and it finally came out. And then Tilda Swinton starts, it you. will kill you. And Tilda Swinton's performance in that film is, in my opinion, the best piece of acting I have ever seen in my life. It's incredible. And I was so happy to see her, Lynn Ramsey, make another movie. And man, is she a storyteller. Yeah, she is. And this one um, is led by Joaquin Phoenix. Talk Glorious. about having a good year. My Lord, he had a, a year in 2018. V- bunch of varied roles. And this one, his performance is, is such simmering intensity. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so, it just jumps off the screen as he plays this, this I don't want to call him a hitman, but he's, he's for hire. And he specializes in finding lost girls. Uh, and he's tasked with doing that. And then the case, the current case that he's on, finds out goes a little deeper than he thought. And it's violent. Sometimes it's very violent. Other times it's what's happening off screen. In fact, there's a tremendous sequence with some security camera footage that where you have violence off screen, but it's so effective. And it, it's incredibly put together by Lynn Ramsey. It's a fantastic lead performance by uh, Joaquin Phoenix. It's just haunting. It's haunting it the, the way it sticks with you. And she is, she's somebody that I always want to see now what she's doing. Because it just, it really gets inside your head. No, I didn't see this one, but when you say Lynn Ramsey, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I, I just, the, she leaves, when you leave the theater after her film, it, you take it with you for a while. You do, <laughs> yeah. you do. And, uh, you, you know, the Kevin film is is one of those ones that we showed that at the Drexel uh, and you could just see people kind of roll out mm-hmm. of oh. the theater still in their minds, not really yeah. wanting to talk about it. Yeah. And I think from the people that have seen it that I've talked to, this film, that that it's one of those, you know, it's on my list to see right away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and she also does a good job um, working in her various soundtrack choices mm-hmm. and the music mm-hmm. and the sound design. In fact, there there is an incredible sequence with, with what I think is one of the worst songs of all time, that uh, cheesy I've Never Been to Me song from the 80s. She includes that in a striking sequence yeah, in this movie, very. and it's 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 unforgettable. Well, that's a box I'll check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you can do something with that song, God bless you. Uh, and that's You Were Never Really Here, our number eight of the year. And let's take a quick uh, detour and talk about uh, our favorite documentaries from this year. There were some good ones. There I were. always love a good documentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a great year. Even in terms of revenue in the specialty market mm-hmm. for, for theaters, um, these were films that not only were good films, but they made money for people. Yeah. Nice, which was really good to see. You know, I've got to think that the the front runner for the Oscar for documentary is the Mister Rogers doc. Uh, Won't you be my neighbor? Oh, I would think so. I hope so. Um, it's one that it. You know, it's it's funny. It's one of those movies you cry while you're watching, <laughs> not because the film is sad, but because life is sad because Mister Rogers is no longer here. He was just the loveliest, and and it's such an informative documentary yeah and it's uh it's directed by morgan neville who's already won an oscar for 20 feet from stardom he also did a couple others i loved he did best of enemies Mm -hmm. the one about william f buckley and gore vidal and he also did uh, the music of strangers a couple of years ago right 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 very good all those are worth checking out another documentary i love this year free solo about the free climber uh, and his passion to climb el capitan without any ropes any harnesses totally free 
It will scare you to death. You know what I love the most about that movie is that the filmmakers and the camera crew were clearly terrified. Oh, they were just clearly terrified. Not only terrified about what they might witness, but how how in involved that they might be yeah. implicated exactly. they would be if something happened well you know what they could have named that film if it had gone differently impending disaster yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you're right there they are just their fear and you are with that's a great exactly thing about it, yeah is you travel that road with them and at the end you're exhausted yeah and it's one <laughs> if you can see on the big screen oh. the landscapes obviously the mountains and everything are incredible and they only add to the feeling of tension that you get and plus this guy is a fascinating character and how he approached <laughs> this. So, uh, also, we loved um, Three Identical Strangers yes. as a documentary from this year. RBG about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, sure. one of the two movies about uh, RBG this year, and Minding the Gap, the skateboarding oh, uh, yeah. documentary as that well. That was a fascinating film. Uh, all those among the favorite documentaries of 2018. So let's move it up on our list. We're up to number seven now, and we love the horror movies. If you know us, you know that. <laughs> We've already talked about one, and at number seven is the chilling hereditary. Mom? I don't like this. Dad, I don't like this. What's happening? An incredible debut, Ari Aster. Yes. Uh, the writer director. Man, what a. Uh, How confident. I ooh. mean, everything about it. I mean, to the most minor detail, these. These miniatures that she makes, and 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 how they echo throughout the film, the the sound design, mm-hmm. uh, I mean everything about this movie, it, and of course he wrote it. The script itself is just amazing. Yeah, it's led by a tremendous performance by Tony Collette, uh, and a fine ensemble as well. Alex Wolf mm-hmm. is her one son. Um, the young girl uh, Simmons, Millie Simmons, yes. I believe is her name. Um, yeah, it's it's so chilling because as <laughs> as I've said every time we've talked about this movie, I, I think the brilliance of it is that the different layers because yeah. it works. If you just want to follow the narrative all the way to the end, it works as a straight up horror movie, mm-hmm. but it also works as just a story about passing down family dif- dysfunction. I think is the genius of it, and it's it's got some strikingly scary sequences about it, it leading to a real slam bang finale and i think it works from top to bottom well i gotta tell you i always defer to you guys when it comes to the horror <laughs> films uh, because i'm such a wimp but i will tell you on this one the neat thing about it for me was that you get scared in a bunch of different ways it's yeah. not a one, one trick pony um and it really and that for that reason you're not waiting for some just evil thing to appear on the screen all of a sudden and scare you it just happens in so many different ways i couldn't anticipate them and that to me was the horror of it um, and so that's why I actually enjoyed one. Don't write that down, but I actually enjoyed <laughs> one. Um, and I, it was, it was certainly in my top 10 list this year. And, and also I'm not the biggest fan of jump scares Mm-mm. in, uh, in horror Is that movies. the technical term? I did, A jump, I guess but <laughs> this one has one of the all timers. Oh yeah. Totally out of left field. And, about and, and it, it alters every everything. single thing. And, you know, and by this point people may know to expect it, but I guarantee you nobody did when it no. first came no. out. And you know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Jaw no just about idea. hit the floor. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's an incredible, uh, incredible piece of filmmaking, especially for a brand new filmmaker, yep. and boy, he's on the list to see what he's he's got following up um, after this one. Hereditary at number seven on our list, and at number six for the year, one that just came out on Christmas Day, and it is a hoot. It's Vice. So we're gonna do this thing, or what? I mean, is this happening? I believe 
We can make this work. <laughs> Hot damn. Well, the thing about this movie and the thing that has divided a lot of people about Vice is, is it too soon to add some humor to the events? Now, I love humor and everything, so I think it's appropriate. The the thing about the acting in this is how close they got it. Because when one of the dangers of doing a picture of a recent history is that you'll be off a few notes on people that everybody knows and still on TV. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because we see Dick Cheney all the time. Um, but but it's it's scary how good they are it is. It and is. how close it is. And it drives home the points that some of us may have even glossed over in our recent memory. So yes. I, I think it's really impactful. Oh, very much so. And I think you bring up a good point about the humor, but I think this type of humor, this is outraged humor. Well, uh, Adam oh, McKay, yeah, yeah. as we've learned, because yeah. obviously humor is his is his bailiwick, right? Uh, Talladega Nights and right. Anchorman. And then all of a sudden the big short came out and you're like, oh, he is pissed. Yeah. And not only that, he and 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 he uses humor in, in sort of insightful ways that allows for some catharsis. But the other thing he does as a storyteller is make Make sure you are paying attention. Mm -hmm. Like he'll stop for a second and go, please pay attention here. This is important. And that's when he does something funny. You know, it's just like, wow, yeah, that really happened. That's the thing. So much of this has a has an air of can you believe Mm -hmm. this happened and they got away with this? And this was happening, you know, behind the scenes of Cheney's entire life. So, no, I, I think the. The pissed off comes through loud oh, and does. clear in this movie. It does. But the ensemble is just just dro- just mouth dropping, yeah. really. I mean, the first time I remember seeing the trailer with Christian Bale as Dick Cheney, I'm like, oh my lord. You know, and uh, and people uh you know, make a big deal of somebody who gains a lot of weight or loses a lot of weight or, you know, physically transforms for film and for good reason. It would be phenomenally difficult to do. But he nails oh, as he always does. Yes. He nails everything about Dick Cheney. And one of the things I appreciate about his performance is that he gives us there is only this one sort of narrow little sliver about Dick Cheney that is deeply human. And we actually get to see that. But yep. he also doesn't give it more room than it deserves. That's but, true. But you're right. I think people want, like like with the big short, they want to take to the streets afterwards. You know? <laughs> yeah. And say, well, this was they awful. Do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is, you know, six months from now about the film. Yeah. And the rest of the cast. I mean, Amy, Amy Adams, Adams is, is the glory. secret weapon here as Lynn Cheney. I mean, is almost... Uh, a Lady Macbeth type of oh, figure yeah. right. to, you know, whipping him into shape when he was a younger man. And she's like, look, I'm not going to hang around for this unless you get your life under control. And then just steering him, just always making sure he's mindful of the power. Yeah. You know, and that that he was constantly after and just sometimes just brazenly so. Yeah. Right. Um, it's an incredible. And um, Steve Carell is Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> yeah. I mean, er, late in the film, as Rumsfeld is is older. I thought he was a dead ringer oh, yeah. for yeah. Rumfeld. He right. really was. And, of course, Sam, Rock, Sam Rockwell is W, <laughs> yeah. which was just uh, just amazing. Yeah. Knowing George W. Bush, he'll probably invite him down to the ranch. Right. Just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it is. It's funny chicken wings. In, in a yeah. very, very um, fed-up sort of way. And I think his definite aim here, Adam McKay's aim, was to remind people that he Cheney wasn't the president, but you know you can point fingers at a lot of things, and it can lead you right back. Oh, absolutely, to this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely, it's in the theaters now. Like we said, it just came out on Christmas Day. Vice is our number six movie of the year, and into the top five now. It is the remake of A Star Is Born. Hey, what? 
I just want to take another look at you. about an assured first film for a director. Wow. You know, we've been saying for some time that Bradley Cooper, I mean, he's he's shown with his acting performances that he's incredibly talented. But mm-hmm. now you've got to put him right up there as one of the, the AA listers because this is a tremendous co-writing job mm-hmm. and a tremendous directing job to breathe such new life into this story. And I remember, Kevin, when this movie was coming out, you and I were talking about we were both going to go back and re-watch the first movies to get ready, which I'm glad I did. I think this is the best one. You know what? And I hate to say it because I am the old studio guy, but this is the best one. Now, 1937 is second best. That's my own I agree take. with that. No, I agree um, with that. But I got to tell you, I was blown away. In fact, I've seen it twice now in the theater. Once I had to see it with my daughter, who is a young singer and appreciates <laughs> that. Um, but but I, I was blown away. And, you know, the thing about Bradley Cooper was... His acting, when you watch him when he's not speaking, which we to always me, say we that. do. He's a master at he's it. He's incredible. You know, you go all the way back to to uh, the Hangover, the Hangover, right. and that which I don't, I'm not sure. I'd, I I wasn't particularly aware of Bradley Cooper before the film The Hangover, and I couldn't help but notice that, and and all three of them together, you can watch The Hangover three different times and just watch one of those three actors and get a whole different film. And right. and he is he is stunning at the way he contributes to a scene when he's not the yeah, focal point. He's and a master he, at it. And he really acts older in this than he is mm-hmm. because he has traveled a tough road. Yeah. But then you look at the the uh, Lady Gaga's oh performance. My God. Holy moly. And the thing about this was, first of all, how striking she is as not being Lady Gaga. Sure. In her phys- even in her physical appearance. Yeah. But it gave her such credence to be on stage singing that you couldn't go, oh, this isn't believable. That's Lady Gaga right. singing. Yeah. Right. And, and performing generally. But again, I thought she was at her best in the nuanced moments, those small, quiet moments, the one-on-one mm-hmm. discussion she had with not only Bradley Cooper, but her dad, played by Dice Clay, who un- I think yeah, did a nice job. No, the yeah, too. agreed. Did a fine job. But I think if you, if you li- like those kind of older style movies brought to the present, this is the one for you because the singing is great. The music is fantastic. The acting, again, is to, just little by little just creeps up on you. And you want not to have an emotional response because we all know the story right. for four films now. It still it still comes and gets you. But much like we said with the remake of Suspiria, he adds so much depth to yeah. it. I mean, it takes for me, it took away the melodrama and added some real humanity to it with the characters. They're deeper. I mean, I, I was much more, I believed much more of Bradley Cooper's infatuation with her than right. in the previous films. Yeah, because like, you kind of didn't get it before, right? Yeah, yeah. And this one, you you understand he really appreciates her artistry mm-hmm. and and her life within her that he has been lacking. And he also gets sees back. a bit of himself as a younger performer right. Right. in her and wants her to travel a more pure road. And uh, yeah, there's there's so much that that's well done. And Lady Gaga, fantastic. I mean, Shallow is a goosebump moment oh. when she rips it out. You're like, oh man. Well, there are several performances in there that you it just if it were on Broadway, it would just stop the show. Yeah, exactly. I do want to just because uh, when George rewatched the first three, <laughs> I'd never seen them intentionally (laughs) this is this is not my area and and i tried and i didn't mind the 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 oldest one 
Yeah. Um, I made it maybe 15 minutes into the Judy Garland one. Yeah, that's my least favorite. And yeah. and I don't think I could take even 15 minutes of the Barbara well, Streisand one. Well, there's a lot of straight homages to the 76 Streisand, one yeah. in this but one. But here's really the are. thing is that, um, is that they're, you know, for a musical and whatever, they're male films. Mm-hmm. It's a woman who's who's showing she can be strong while simultaneously learning her place. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why they make my stomach turn. Uh-huh. That's not the case here. I yeah. mean, it's, it's updated it's in point. every possible way. This is her film. This is her film and it's about her mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, it's it's really about what she brings to his life and not what she learns from him. Um and you know, and uh, and in so many ways it's just a superior effort. Well, the, yeah, the 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 female lead in this film, Lady Gaga's mm-hmm. part, is by far the best of all of those. Mm-hmm. Although I thought Jana Gaynor in the 37 has a little bit more fire in her. But you're right. In the middle two, not so much. But in this one, just I think hit all the notes all the way through. And I think it'll be a I think it'll be a classic film that people will watch over and over. I think so. And too. I'm expecting a host of Oscar nominations. Oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or, I gotta uh, think she's front runner. I've got to And think that's so. a tough category. Ooh, best it's a actress very tough category Best lead actress year. is the toughest category I think. I, I think so this year. Yeah. And that is uh, number five on our list for 2018 of Star is Born. So let's take another detour and talk about the year in animated films. I don't think it was a particularly strong year. I thought it was pretty weak. Uh, for animated films. The biggest one, Incredibles 2, we thought was, eh. Yeah. I, I thought the first half an hour of it gave me promise that it was really going somewhere um, serious, like maybe a Zootopia. Sure. Didn't do it. No. Um, so I thought it was a bit of a, a, a disappointment. I think I even liked it a little better than you did. Yeah, I um, I, I felt that it was um, very relevant for 1988. Yeah. But the idea <laughs> that a dad can be a good dad without yeah. a woman looking over him, that's that's incredibly stale. I think by far our favorite, <laughs> both for both of us, our favorite um, animated movie was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh my goodness, yes. And I wasn't really expecting it, but man, what a fun just slam bang, well done in every. In I mean, every manner, everything you want in a superhero movie, you can find it in Into the Spider Verse. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I think it's my favorite Spider Man movie. Yeah, it's, it's and I like several. Yeah, but I I, I put it it's at great. the top. It is great. Isle of Dogs was good too. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you have to go. I mean, I I really didn't care for the Grinch at all, and I know it made a ton of money. Ooh, I did not like it. No, it came was out it. at the right time of year. It sure yeah, did. It, did. It. Mm-hmm. it sure did. I and was going to say Isle of Dogs. I, I echoed that. I mean, at the Drexel, we always loved when Wes Anderson made any film because sure. it was yeah. going to be great for us. Yeah. But th- there's just something about this that transports you into that world, a world that I, you know, who knows about that and or even thinks they know about kind of the story itself. But wow, it just. You know, you just couldn't wait for each next scene to see how it was going to be designed. The the stop action animation. I mean, right down to like the the lead character's tiny little teeth. Everything. (laughs) And of course, Wes Anderson is so meticulous in everything he does. The look of this movie is unlike anything else. Even Fantastic Mr. Fox, which looked great. And it's got just a... Endlessly talented voice Absolutely. cast. I mean, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum. You just go on and on and on. Tilda. And on. Tilda. They're, 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 Do you e- get the feeling they're just waiting in a room someplace for him to call them? Probably. <laughs> and like, okay, and you know, can one. we go? Can yeah. we know the address? Because that'd right. be a cool room. It would yeah, be a great room. I'd pick that up. So, yeah, that was the year in animated. A little bit weak, but uh, definitely some some good things at the top. Moving back to our top ten, let's we're up to number four. And it's an incredible debut as a filmmaker. For a stand-up comic, it's eighth grade. One more week of eighth grade, huh? I said one more week of eighth grade, right? Yeah. That's crazy. 
Yeah, huh? Bo Burnham, Bo everybody. Burnham. <laughs> it's like dude in his 20s who does stand up and sings funny songs. And he's and funny. If you he watch, is very funny. If you I'm, haven't I don't, seen his stand up, no, he's he very is funny. funny. I'm not trying to slight but that in any way. Saw this but the fact that not only that he made a movie that's so authentically from the mind of an eighth grade girl is amazing to me. Um, and there are so many scenes in this movie that are, are just startlingly authentic and and sensitively portrayed and it, you know it's like every horrible amazing lovely gut-wrenching brilliant moment from like the worst year in anybody's life and it's not just that he got the the eighth gradiness of it he also got the social media he right. really did and so many movies try to do that and they don't they don't do it i They're, mean it, it's it's such a a piece of our our life now that movies are going to tackle it but this one gets it so much more right than a lot of movies do oh and absolutely I, I think the the best example of that is there's there's a scene where the eighth grade girl in particular is sitting with her senior in high school mentor and her mentor's friends and the one mentor another senior in high school was like well you were born with instagram it's like he doesn't know how to relate to her because she's so much more a native of, of mm-hmm. digital media it's stunning to old people we're like oh my god we thought you were all the same <laughs> well i got to tell you it's a great film but for a person who was not an eighth grade girl but who had one mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh did it, it hurt is, you oh it was equally great and just horrifying yes to think there were things that I thought I knew about mm-hmm. that maybe I didn't when she went through that. Um, and so there were a lot of conversations about it afterward with her. Um, but no, I mean, the sensitivity that he had, that's the thing that got me was, you know, stand-ups find comedy everywhere, but to find the sensitive side I of know. that as well yeah. and the understanding, the empathy that he had mm-hmm. for that character, I, I thought was amazing. We have to mention that the lead performance of young Elsie Fisher oh. is just tremendous. Yeah, I would I would so love to see her get an Oscar nomination. Yeah. You would have to find the right person to do that who would be willing to oh, yeah. just ex- literally expose herself yes. to this kind of film. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's going to do a lot of really good things. Yeah, yes. agreed. And that is our number four movie of the year, Eighth Grade, moving up to number three. Another one I think should still be in the theaters right now. I hope so. It is The Favorite. Dearest Queen. How goes the kingdom? They were all staring, weren't they? And I heard the word fat. Fat. You have become close to Abigail. You're jealous. I'm on my side, always. You are enjoying wonderful assumptions. Oh, it is fun to be queen sometimes. I love a comedy. It's their cake. Writer, director, help me here. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah. <laughs> love him. He's another one. Anything, anything. he's doing, yep. Yep. anything he's doing, uh, the Lobster was Lobster one of my killed. favorites yeah. from well, a couple of years ago. I think uh, there are a lot of filmmakers where you can say, there's nobody quite like, but there is nobody who is as nobody quite like as Yorgos Lanthimos. But this time he takes a straight up period piece and a story about Queen Anne and her handmaidens and puts a very distinct artistic license in there and has an incredible amount of fun. It's so bitingly funny, so well acted, well shot, well everything. It's just a joy. It's funny because uh, at this time of year, people, you know, we we are on a lot of different sort of panels and we end up who are the best, for example, ensembles. And when you think of ensembles, you think of like a large like, you know, vice a whole. There are three people mainly in this movie. And that is the best ensemble, (laughs) not of this year alone, but that I've seen in many years. Queen Anne is played by Olivia Colman. If you don't know her name, you know her face. She's been in a ton of things. And then 
You've got uh, fighting to be her favorite, Rachel Wise and uh, Emma, Emma Stone. Stone. They're all three just impeccable performances. Well, and if you want to learn about filmmaking in terms of the d- director of photography, the DP, Robbie Ryan is the DP on this. And what you'll notice, and I told, I bored my family with this when we went to see it, <laughs> was watch the different lenses that oh, yeah. he uses yes. because he loves to go to that fish eye. Yes. And then he'll alter whether he's shooting from low to high and the other way around, yep. depending on where the story is and what's going on. And I, I, I am going to see it several more times just to pay attention to those little details because it's so much fun and it just drives the narrative so much, his view of mm-hmm. how it's presented. Well. And it just mirrors the absurdity of the story. And it is absurd. You know? Yeah. I know. I know that fisheye. I'm glad you brought that up because I know I've talked to a few people that threw them. I loved it. I yeah. thought it fit the the type of narrative he was telling uh, to go to that fisheye every now and then. It looks fantastic. The costumes. I love that all the men are the dandies. Oh, I yeah. do too. <laughs> That's right. You know. Makeup, and you noticed that the, the, ones, the wigs on one side were all white and on the other yeah. side, they, yeah, I mean, it was just fantastic. And I also, I mean, you know, it's a funny thing to say, but, but and, and I don't know how many people have noticed this, but it's really, really easy to find a film, a good film, you know, a film that's well worth watching, where the female characters are completely discardable. They don't matter at all. You could have just as strong a film without them. It's very uncommon to find the opposite, and this right. is the opposite. Yeah, the absolutely. only important film... Suspiria was close to Suspiria, that, too. Suspiria, you know. Well, Suspiria is even worse because the only male character that mattered was played by a woman. Mm-hmm. And the other men were pretty much toyed with yes, in, the, they in, were. The, in the story. But anyway, no, that's a good point. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just one of our very, very favorites, obviously. Yes. Because it's up uh, to number three in our list. Uh, the interesting thing for me now, will, it'll be between these three actresses, to see where they fall come Oscar nomination right. time. Because they're they all, all three going to get one. They all deserve it. There's, I, I think I think this may be, I know she's already won an Oscar. Well, Emma Stone has as well. I think this might be Rachel Weisz's best performance. I really do. She was it, so good. Yeah, Could, it's possible. And you know what's funny is because she also did Disobedience this year oh in which Lord, she right. was magical. That was right. on. That made our top 30 yeah. list. She's yeah. always great. She she's really just is, always great. This The way the three of them play off each other oh, it's is, amazing. oh man, it's so good. And that's our number three, the favorite Moving up to number two, and sometimes the art and commerce come together in a beautiful way, like with this movie, because this, at over $700 million at the box office, the number one domestic movie of 2018. It's number two on our list for the year, Black Panther. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't freeze. I never freeze. This one for me redefined what these movies can be, what they can do. About 20 minutes into it, I'm thinking, all right, looks good, good superhero movie. And then the storytelling takes a deeper, goes to a deeper level, and it just just wowed me completely from from that moment to the rest of the movie. You know, I, I'm not, uh, again, being uh, an art house movie theater director and, you know, all this kind of... The, the the universes on both sides of the aisle don't have not really hit me, but I got to tell you, I, I was a huge Iron Man fan when they, of all the first mm-hmm. films, um, but this got me back into it uh, just because I just thought the story was so good. And I think that's where it's been lacking a little bit. It's just that internal story. And Michael B. Jordan oh. as the villain. Oh. Yeah. 
I mean, he talk about a nuance, but talk about a good year for another oh, actor, right? Yeah. But I mean, he, I think he drives it in a way that was interesting for me. Agreed. That's why yeah. You know, it's funny uh, that you say that um, uh, any, almost any movie that contains a villain for me, rises and falls on the villain. I love the villain character. It's my favorite kind of character. And I love Michael B. Jordan. But I thought this whole film was so great. All the characters were so interesting. And then he comes on screen and you're like, no, this is acting, everyone. <laughs> he yeah. set that screen on fire. And, and he gets all the best lines. But if you think about the lines independent of them being delivered... They're also the hardest lines to make work. And he yeah. just sings. Oh, my God, he's so good in this movie. Yeah, and it's writer-director Ryan Coogler, who has worked with uh, Michael B. Jordan. Well, first in Fruitvale Station, oh, which talked about film. a devastating movie. Oh, my God. Um, and, uh, and Creed. Then, and then Creed, Creed, of course, the first Creed. This one here, I think there's a reason he gave him that role. Yeah. He knew what Michael B. Jordan could bring to yeah. that role. And, yeah. boy, he he does it. And it's a great ensemble as it well. Is. Chadwick Boseman, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, on yeah. and on and on. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it looks fantastic oh it does when and you see this movie up uh, up against like something like a justice league oh yeah and they're in different leagues yes they uh, are um the the cinematography the special effects of, of the of the different world wakanda and all that yeah. uh, it looks great the, the choreography of the big fight yeah. sequences yeah. yeah yeah it's the it's, hardest it's, thing to do on film yeah. for directors who haven't done big films like that yeah. i think and but, and, and, and he hadn't yeah. Yeah. yeah seamless yeah oh, it's amazing but as you mentioned kevin the it's the it's the the story that the depth of what they're talking about really. I mean, yes, in this superhero, these different worlds that they're they're dealing with, but he's talking about other things that are very oh, yeah. relevant to yeah. today. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what struck me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, he found a way to not only make this an origin story, and let's face it, sometimes the, the origin, origin stories, stories the toughest one to tell. are the most boring. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, mm -hmm. now I know this is one that we maybe don't know the origin story like we do the Spider Man, so we we're, we're not as bored by it. A lot a lot of people may not know the origin story of this. But, but I think it's the way it, he told it. He I is. really do. No, yeah. I, agree. I agree. That's the thing. He made it so invigorating and found a way to to make it a very relevant uh, and just an incredible piece of filmmaking, especially for a superhero movie. And I think, yeah, it now has raised the bar. Absolutely. This is what these movies can be. Uh, number two on our list for the year, Black Panther. So before we get to number one, let's quickly talk about, well, I know there's some movies that yeah. you really like that you wanted to throw out there. Well, let me let me throw out one in particular that I think will get a lot of Oscar buzz around it, and that is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Oh, yes. With Melissa McCarthy. Liked it very Probably much. Probably was on your top 30. I'm, yeah, it was. Oh, it definitely right? was. It was yeah. um, but for me, it was, uh, and we all know that, how good an actress that she is, but- you know, she's done a couple of fairly silly films lately that that it was so good to see her in a role with a lot of depth, playing yeah. a person that still a lot of people know in that world, but she and, and Richard E. Grant. Oh, my yeah. God. Their and chemistry, he, their on-screen chemistry was just, just stunning. He'll probably be nominated. I oh, he's got to so be. Too. Yeah, he's got to be. But supporting. the way they dealt with each other, there was always this underlying hostility, but you could tell how much they cared about yeah, each other yeah. that I just think was really interestingly written. Uh, and again, the cinematography and... Uh, Marielle Heller, who directed it, I think did a wonderful job, and we're going to see her work coming up in the new Mr. Rogers film with Tom yeah. Hanks, yeah. where she did Diary of a Teenage Girl. Yeah. It was yep. so good. So I just there there really isn't anything I don't like about that film, uh, and I think it will get a lot of nominations. And if and we should also mention the writer Nicole Huffenstein. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. She she's always good as well. Yeah, she is. And an indie film writer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a fascinating story, and and you're right. We both totally agree about Melissa McCarthy. We're huge fans. I think she's hysterical when she's going the funny route. 
But right here shows you how much of how many. Yeah, it's great she to has. yeah, it's really great to see her tackle a dramatic role yeah. like this. And we were actually just talking about it the other day. One of the things that I love the most about this film, uh, she plays a, a misanthrope, does not like people, and in the and then the scenes where she is face to face with a person, you can see in Melissa McCarthy's just expression, which she doesn't like, is that she sees herself through their eyes. Yeah, and that's I mean that is such a tough thing to convey. Yeah, they don't tell you that. I mean, her performance is stunning. Well, and she was in the scene. There's a book store owner that yeah. is yeah. kind of a date, sort of kind mm-hmm. of, yeah. mm-hmm. and you could just see Melissa McCarthy's character start to be able to come out of her shell, yep. and then she quickly tied. Just that, I mean, it was probably a five-minute throwaway yep. scene, yep. and it was just beautiful. And was. what's also important to that, in, in a, a similar vein, um, is when she has that meeting with her ex. Oh, right. And you also yes. see into why, you know, she, she couldn't. She just can't go, connect. Yeah, cannot connect. <laughs> but do you know what else? Except I, with cats. What else I love about this film is that it's a film populated almost exclusively by homosexual characters, and that's not the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. You it know, isn't. we can just accept that they're just characters. Yeah. In the same way that Melissa McCarthy plays an overweight character, and that doesn't have to be the point of yeah. the dialogue. Yeah. Nobody or mentions all the it jokes. because, all, right? Yeah, yeah. What's the, they're they're just human beings, and this is a fascinating story that yeah, they lived out. Yeah, that's the thing. Out. Plus, it's a true story. Mm-hmm. If you're not aware of it, oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. And it was in that New York period of the time when the AIDS crisis was yeah, hitting. Yeah. And again, there are some posters on the wall that kind of give it away. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the bars that is one of the epicenters of all that movement. But at the same time, you're right. It just is so subtle in the way that it yes. portrays it, but it hits you. It you does. know, you know the all the narratives when you leave the theater. Yep. So uh yeah, it definitely made our top 30, which you can see uh, all of those picks. Uh, on the main website at manwolf.com. And, and I just uh, have a couple more just, re- yeah, just hit, really th- quickly. Throw them okay. out there. So uh, the eye, the, this will cause you guys to roll your eyes, and that's fine. I'll, I'll see if I can deal with it. Uh, I love Crazy Rich Asians. It's just, <laughs> just, a, just a silly kind of adventure in a place that I don't know anything about. No, we, we thought I, it was solid, not maybe as great as some other people yeah. did, but definitely solid and very entertaining. And yep. I like Constance Wu. I, just, oh, I think yeah. she's going to do a lot of things going forward. So for me, that was a lot of fun. And then one one more serious that I thought, uh, again, gave me a glimpse into something I didn't know a lot about was the film about the boy and a horse lean on Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, it just tender. And again, there are just parts of it that you just you just want to get through the screen and take care of this kid mm-hmm. just the way it's presented. And again, it doesn't do it in a way that is preachy. Uh, but I, I just enjoyed the story a lot. All nice. right. All right. Well done. So uh, really quickly leading up to uh, our number one, a quick overview of foreign films from the year. I know uh, we loved Cold War. Oh, I loved Cold which War. Which is just getting a wide really release now, I think. Also Burning. We Burning loved... was so much fun in a really weird way, but yeah. it was a fascinating and bizarre story. Another one up there that may be up for uh, award shoplifters and from I don't know if, if this one qualifies for this year or last year, but Foxtrot. I loved Foxtrot. Which came out way early in 2018. Loved it, loved it. But uh, the number one foreign film for this year is also the number one film on our list for the entire year, and it's Roma. Well, if you've heard the podcast in the last couple of months, you've heard us gushing about this movie because <laughs> from the moment we saw it, and we saw it on the big screen and... Even though it's a Netflix movie, we cannot encourage you enough to see it on the big screen. And I hear there's a 70 millimeter version coming. Cannot wait. And we are going to be there. <laughs>
Yeah, because, you know, when you talk about, for example, uh, uh, the favorite and the cinematography there and how much it tells about the story, it's very similar in this. It's black and white. Uh, I think it would be as powerful in color, but it's a beautiful black and white print. And and there, it, what's happening in the foreground and what's happening in the background and the way he orchestrates uh, like a large group of people doing something oh. in the background and then at the same time, the intimacy of the person up front. In long in, takes. Long, long takes. It's Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, yeah. uh, you would probably know him from Gravity. Sure. Uh, and there's a this is a semi-autobiographical film and there's a nice nod to his inspiration for Gravity yeah. in this movie uh, that's uh, really organically done, actually. Um, and it's a story of an affluent family in the 1970s in Mexico City. The things, sort of melodramatic things in, in another movie, may be very soap opera type things that happen to this movie, that happen to the family, I'm sorry, through the eyes of their housekeeper, one of their uh, live-in housekeepers. And um, it's not treated in a, in a soap opera way. It's such an incredibly intimate way. Yeah. That even though these types of things that happens to this family are things you've seen in many, many, many movies before, you feel them in a totally different way. This is talk about movies that stay with you. This oh, just yeah. this movie just envelops you. Yeah, it does. Well, and I would say if you do have, as you mentioned, Hope, if you do have a chance to see this on seventy millimeter, black and white on seventy millimeter, it just gives you so much more because of all the in between grays mm. that I think it will be stunning. Uh, obviously, I've not seen it that way yet. And if you want to get a feel for the film, and my only regret, and I told you guys off air, was that I was in a hurry the day I watched it <laughs> on Netflix and because I did not see it in the theater. Um, and that's to, that really took away from it because you have to be willing yeah. to absorb it. Yeah. Yes. And, the, and if you want to get a feel for it, the opening credits will do it for you. Yes. They will. Right? They because will. the way they do that, you have to be patient and understand. And then, you know, and it's, again, I don't think I'm spoiling anything to say, you know, the thrown water on tile and eventually you see a reflection yep. in it that you didn't see at the beginning. And so there's just neat film craft in it. Um, and he's so good at, again, uh, the longer takes, yeah. which you don't notice as much in gravity because you're so stunned in that yes. film by what you were seeing in this one though, it gives you, does give you an insight into each one of these people. Yes. And it's not like rich family on this side, and the help on this side, they're all intertwined they at really various are. levels. Mm -hmm. And you really get a great feel for that. And again, in a place that I didn't know about. Right. Yeah. It was really, it was, it was fun. But again, you have some patience while you watch it. And it's interesting you, you mentioned that opening sequence because it is throwing water. And this movie, after a while, almost made me feel like I was underwater. In such it's a everywhere. Tranquil, it is. <laughs> it, it, it just surrounded me with the, the, the inviting, you know, intimacy of, the the movie and uh, how it's I, how it's constructed how it's put together I cannot see anyone coming close to the best director this year he he should walk with it you know uh, what I also loved about it is that while it is a drama there are moments that are not just absurd and I love just out of because life has really weird absurd moments mm -hmm. and there are there's one with sort of this TV guy who shows up and does some yoga and, and that's and there's another one where there's this wildfire on a mountainside and then in the foreground comes this man who's just going to stand there and sing christmas carols it's yeah. so <laughs> bizarre and yet gorgeous and striking and everything about this movie just hit me right it's just incredibly mesmerizing it's just you uh, you just stare at it you 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 accept it like you said yeah. you give yourself to it hopefully if you can on the big screen 
and um, hopefully you'll be as moved by it as we were. When when you do, pay attention to all the minor characters at the edges of the scenes. Yeah. Because they're only yeah. in us one yeah. scene. Yeah. But they're, like you talked about, there's people singing and there's people just saying things off the top of their head. And it adds to it, but it you got to pay attention. Yeah. 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 And it, it creates such a mood that the things that puncture that mood, uh, w- whether it be the band just blindly walking past that distraught woman or a, a broad daylight murder, you're just like, oh. No matter what it is, it's it, when it breaks through this this mood that it's set. It's just so striking. Yeah. No matter no matter what's going on, it's just a beautiful, beautiful piece of filmmaking. It is. I think uh, darn near darn, darn near perfect, and that's number one on our list. It's Roma. So uh, let us know what you think. Always glad to talk about movies, especially when it's the end of the year and everybody's making up their year end list. We'd love to hear yours. You can get a hold of us. Easily on Twitter, we're at Mad Wolf. That's M A D D W O L F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, we're Mad Wolf Columbus. And as we've said, the main website uh, is MadWolf.com. Kevin, where can we reach you on the social medias? You know, actually, you can you can find me uh, under my own name. The only weird thing is, what? It's, yeah, I know it's uh, Rao R O U C H. So Kevin Rao R O U C H. But I'm on all the media. I've got a little uh, now that I've left the Drexel uh, on good terms. Still, I think we all still get along. <laughs> um, but uh, I've got a little uh, consulting firm, our key consultants that we go around and help small theaters around our area try to do some programming things. So I'm going to keep my hand in it and maybe get a chance to watch even more movies because I have a little bit more time to do that. So. Awesome. Well, yeah, this has yeah. been a blast. We've been wanting to get you on, and thank you so much for your, your insight and your views. It's been a lot of fun. My pleasure. Uh, anytime. <laughs> well, we uh, until next time when we'll start a brand new year of movie watching, and I'm, I think right off the top of my head, first one I'm looking forward to is Glass. Oh, yeah, I know Can, that you are. Oh, no, cannot, I'm with you. I'm cannot with wait you. for Glass. So that's, uh, that's coming early on in 2019. We'll be talking about that one and many more. In the meantime, get in touch if you can. She is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>